Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger Podcast. This week's episode, let me tell you, it is a juicy one. It is with Dana Omari, otherwise known as IG Famous by Dana. And Dana's page, her content, this conversation is all about cosmetic surgery procedures, beauty treatments. And the reason I wanted to have this conversation is because I think that a lot of us consume content where we're seeing celebrities and really famous, beautiful people. And oftentimes we don't realize the kind of cosmetic procedures that have been done to help them get there. And I really wanted to chat with Dana because I wanted to kind of get some transparency out there, really talk to her about all different procedures that are out there, bust some myths around how much downtime we think we need, like what really is going on and a real behind the scenes of, I guess, like everything that's going on in the cosmetic surgery department of of the world. So it's a really great conversation. We talk about things like Ozempic, for example, which is such a hot topic right now. We talk about celebrity transformations that you may be familiar with, things like facelifts and how younger people have been doing them too. So it's a really interesting conversation. And I hope that it brings you guys some clarity on beauty standards and I guess takes a little bit of pressure off of a lot of us who may feel like, oh, I I wish I looked like this or this is the standard and I'm just shooting for that because oftentimes that standard is achieved with lots of help. So I think it's a really great conversation and I hope you guys like it. Before we get into the show, however, I have this week's review, which is coming to us from Annie SLTX. And she says, love it. I love the interview style. She really lets the guests shine. Great show. 
Thank you so much, Annie, for leaving this review. And guys, if you have a couple of minutes to spare, please, please leave the show a rating and a review. All you have to do is open the Apple podcast app, scroll down to the bottom where it says rate and review the show in the rating section. If you feel like I've deserved it, please leave me a five-star rating. And in the review section, honestly, tell me anything you want me to hear your favorite topic, guests that you want to see, favorite guests from the past, anything you want me to talk more about or any feedback that you can give me is incredibly helpful. You know, my goal is to always, always show up as the best host constantly improve and iterate. And I do that based on the feedback that I get from you guys. So, you know, I really value anytime you guys do take the time to write me and yeah. So if you have a second, please, please take the time to do that. This week's hot tip is rooted in a deficiency, if you will, that I have. So you may not know this, but I never learned how to drive. And I don't say that as an, oh, I don't know how to drive. I mean, I literally never took one lesson. I just never needed to because I lived in downtown Toronto where I didn't need to learn how to drive and I just never learned. And now I'm in LA without a driver's license, severely handicapped. So I rely very, very heavily on altos. Okay. And I used to use Ubers, obviously, like everyone else, but I have become such an Alto fan since, you know, moving to LA because their service is so reliable. It is, I mean, everything about the whole experience of an Alto from A to Z is incredible. You open the app, it's a really clean experience. The drivers are always super professional. The cars are really clean. You just know what you're getting. It's not like you're getting into a car and you don't know if it's going to be clean or like you don't know what kind of experience you're going to have with a driver. It's just very reliable. There's always water in the car and a charger, which let me tell you is very, very necessary for me because my phone is running low on charge and I drink a lot of water, which you know, based on my conversation with Dr. Jennifer Freed, if you've heard that one. So, you know, I really, I really value the water. So Alto has been kind enough to share a code with me to share with you guys. And the code is SIFAT10 for $10 off your first two rides. So trust me, it's going to just change the way you are taking cars to places it's just very reliable and safe, which is something I appreciate. All right. With that, let's welcome Dana Omari to the Dream Bigger podcast. So how did you even get into this account? Like what got you interested in it? Like how do you know so much about like cosmetic procedures? Like give everyone a background of what you what you do. The short answer, too long didn't read, is that I work in it. I'm a registered dietitian. That's my background, master's in biochem. That's what I did. And I guess around in 2016, I started working at a med spa. I was over their wellness department. Mm -hmm. And very quickly, they realized I had a really good ability of being able to explain procedures, what people can expect, manage expectations, which is so important, and also understand what people were wanting to have done or what results they were looking for. Because they don't know what they want. They know what results they want. And sometimes they ask for the wrong thing. Like they might say... I want cheek filler because they think that it's going to help with their jowling. It's not really. So you're trying to figure out what do they want. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. I do consulting still, but I realized people don't know anything about plastic and cosmetic procedures. And 
on top of that, what makes it even worse is that they have a lot of misinformation because no one's talking about it. Celebrities are hiding what they're getting done. So I started the page really because I was just really frustrated and all the things I couldn't say to, you know, my clients or my patients like, oh, my God, Jennifer Aniston doesn't just put like honey and, and yogurt on her face. That's not what she does. You know, I couldn't really say it like that. So it started out to blow off steam and then people really enjoyed it. And so it became a thing. There's so many times where celebrities like olive oil on my face and I'm like, I could literally douse myself in all the olive oil in the world right. and my skin would not look like that. Like, right. it's just not possible. It's not how it's not how the world works. Right. But you're going to smell like a really great salad, right? hundred <laughs> percent. Definitely. will. so the first thing I want to do, like in terms of getting into the meat of this is talk about Ozempic. OK, because okay. it's a hot topic. Yes. And most people don't even know that this is a thing. I know because I have friends who've talked about it. But can we get into that and how literally everyone is using that or like a similar drug? Because yes. we're seeing these really dramatic weight loss episodes. And I feel like we're back in the 90s because no one is talking about how they're getting there. And it's really frustrating. Right. So Ozempic, Wagovi, Munjaro, these are all, they're called GLP-1 agonists. So you've got semaglutide, liraglutide, terzabatide, which is the Munjaro. They are game-changing, really, for weight loss and the treatment of obesity. But, yeah, people are using them to help with weight loss. And we're seeing it in our celebrities. We're seeing it in influencers. I mean, regular, everyday people, they're using it. I actually have a friend who is in that lifestyle of the very rich and famous. Mm -hmm. And she said that this past summer she was at a wedding and the, I guess the best man made a joke that they wish that the wedding had been sponsored by Ozempic because everybody showed up to the wedding a lot thinner and they weren't eating their food. And I was like, that's hilarious because that's true. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, just made a, just a joke right there. Wow. So it's like, it's commonplace right now. Yeah. People are using it. And so talk to us about how it works. And is it that you take it and then when you stop taking it, you gain all the weight back? How does it even work? Okay. So the mechanism of action is it makes you not feel hungry. It prevents you from having a lot of cravings and, you know, that part of dieting or losing weight or gaining weight. And then it also works on a molecular level to help with your blood sugar. It prevents a lot of things from happening to where your body targets fat. And so it, you're utilizing fat for your energy while taking in a lot less energy or calories. Mm -hmm. And so you lose weight without feeling very hungry. With anything, if you don't change your lifestyle, you will gain it back. So it doesn't matter what diet you're on, what workout plan you are. If you quit that and go back to how you were, you're obviously going to gain it back. Now, how I would approach it, if you have struggled with obesity, if you have PCOS, if you have diabetes, if you have other health conditions that make it difficult to manage weight, mm -hmm. you really do need to be on it long term at a low dose, like once you've reached your goal. But for example, I've been on it. Mm -hmm. I'm actually off of it. I took my last shot this past week. As long as I continue to eat well and exercise like I have been, I should be okay. You don't just suddenly gain weight. You know how when people look at a celebrity, right? And mm -hmm. like, I think what's really interesting is like the small natural changes that we yes. see over time. But then people are like, anytime I see an account like yours or a doctor being like, well, they've gotten this or that done. Mm -hmm. And it's like just information, right? People get so up in arms about it being like, oh, it's because of weight loss or it's because of puberty. Like, can you explain how that's why that's not a fact? 
Well, first of all, most surgeries are, they're not dramatic. You don't want to have a completely different nose. You don't want to, you know, have your face come from down here all the way up here. Like you, totally. like you want it to be a little bit more natural looking. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of things that we do in the plastic surgery and cosmetic world where we're just tweaking a little bit here, 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 and here. And by itself, it's not that noticeable, but it overall just makes someone look better. And a lot of times, especially if you don't have a trained eye for it, you don't know what it is. You can't put your finger on it. Mm -hmm. A great example is Kendall Jenner. She just had, you know, a little bit of a brow lift, a little bit of a bluff, a little bit of lip filler, nothing as dramatic as her sister Kylie's, just a little bit here and there. And then the overall look is she looks like herself, but better. And you can really only see that it's actually kind of a dramatic difference if you only put it side by side with a really old picture. But she's done such subtle work and great work over the years that we don't remember what she looked like, honestly. And then as far as why people think that it's puberty or weight loss, I think that they want it to be that. Like, I think they just want it to be that. Hopefully it could happen to them, you know, if with aging or weight loss or whatever, that they're going to blossom or glow up. So I am very much into the fact that right now we're entering this era where people are deciding that they maybe don't want to drink every night of the week, or maybe they don't want to drink at all. You know, sober curious. Enter Monday's non-alcoholic craft spirits, including mezcal, gin, and whiskey, which provide the look, feel, and most importantly, taste of your favorite beverage. I just feel like our social life and wellness goals can totally coexist and non-alcoholic cocktails are really the way of the future. Monday has a special offer for you guys. Visit drinkmonday.co slash dreambigger for 15% off your order. That's drinkmonday.com slash dreambigger for 15% off your order. This is a brand I know you guys are going to love and you guys are going to want to serve at your next dinner party. So enjoy. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Are you looking for some good clean positivity? Good. Me neither. I'm Maddie Murphy and I host The Bad Broadcast, a weekly comedy podcast dedicated to talking about everything we love to hate. I searched my whole life to find my passion. Little did I know I had been practicing my true talent every single day. Complaining. Join me every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast to answer our weekly questions and for a chance to be featured on the show. See you there. So, okay, I want to zoom in on brow lifts and bluff. First of all, can you explain what a bluff even is? I don't even know. You can have an upper or lower bluff. It really just means it's a blepharoplasty. It means that you have augmented your eyelids. I actually had mine done in May 
last year. I absolutely love it. But they go in and I did an upper. You can't even tell. Um, like, what? that's crazy. Right. I mean, right. It like looks natural. You look great. Right. You can't see any scars. If no. I looked really close, like you could see because I'm not even a year I like, just you thought can't that see was. It. I thought that was like, <laughs> yeah, right, or like concealer, right, exactly. Yeah, so they took some excess skin. I had hooded eyes and a little bit of fat from that area, and now I have more real estate to put eyeliner on. I just yeah. have a little bit more eyelid going on, and I just look more awake, more mm-hmm. refreshed. So that's like a common thing, would you say? Oh, in very terms common. Of, but then, what about people who don't have hooded eyes? They're also getting it done. You can. It depends on. It really depends on your eyelids. Right. But if, like, for example, I'm looking at you. You're gorgeous, by the way. If you said you were going to get a bluff, I would say, why? You have plenty of eyelids. There's no, there's absolutely no reason for you to do it. So if you were to come in and say, hey, I heard about this. Do you think it'd be right for me? Mm -hmm. I would say, absolutely not. Why? You would look like your eyes were too, like, too wide from the top. Yeah. A hundred percent. And what is a brow lift? Because I'm guessing that's what's giving everyone, like, the lifted kind of look that, right. let's face it, okay, contour just won't get you there. Right. And Botox won't either. Botox is great, but it is not doing that dramatic lift. So a brow lift really just means that we're lifting your brows. You can do it where you're lifting just the tail ends. You can do it where you're lifting the whole area. Basically, they do an incision into your hairline and they like they just literally pull it back. Mm-hmm. And so I personally don't need a bra lift, but imagine if my eyebrows were a little bit lower, closer to my eyes, mm-hmm. then you lifted from here and it would give that. Oh, it if, just like opens everything yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, you just have like more space this way. You can also lift from here and that's going to take the tail ends of your brows up. Like and the it's almond shape. Yeah. Yes, and that's usually paired with eyelid surgery to also lift your eyes this way as well. And you just like, what? this is just so crazy to me because you can't tell. Like, right. where are the scars? I mean, those would be hidden in your hairline. You're, no one is going to see huh. it unless they're, like, picking through your hair, which would be really weird. Let's be real. Wow. Right. So people really are getting shit done left, right, mm-hmm. and center, and you just can't tell because the scarring is, like, next to invisible. Yes. And the other thing is, is people think that these things have really big downtimes. I filmed for a documentary 10 days later after my bluff. And they even did a close-up, like I'm looking down at my phone. You can't see my incision. I mean, they had taken the threads out, and you couldn't even see it on camera. So this is what's interesting, because I got breast reduction done last year. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see a lot of cases of that being documented. And I like did I put everything on Instagram because right. I was like, I want to be very like real about like recovery times and like the whole process of recovery, like pain levels, what it's like before versus after all of that. And I remember going into my surgery was the first surgery I've ever had, like medical or elective. Right. And I was terrified. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, am I just not going to have a life? And I was shocked at how little the downtime was shocked. What was your downtime? After three days, I was back on my feet. After a week, I was out with my friends. And then I got to take like bandages off within, I think it was like a couple of weeks. It was nothing. Right. And Unless you like literally looked at my incision sites and I was like topless for you, which why would I do that if I was out and about? That's the only way you could see that I'd gotten like something done because with clothes on, you couldn't even tell just my boobs looked really good. Exactly. That's literally the point. And with that, that is a little bit more of a downtime type of surgery. If you had a breast augmentation the other way, like you've had implants, there are some that are even they're called flash Mm -hmm. augmentation. 72 hours, you're out and about. What? Yeah, you can be out in a bikini top 72 hours later. Wait, how? 
it's just technique. So Dr. Gavami does it in Houston. Dr. Rose does it. There's a, a lot of doctors that do it. They're out and about in 72 hours. The ponytail facelift, which is a mini deep plane facelift that has your scars and your hairline, you can literally be at dinner the next day. Amazing. I know, right? Wait, that's insane. Yep. Oh, my God. I mean, I personally wouldn't want to be at dinner because I think I would want to be in bed watching Netflix, you know, with some ibuprofen. But you could be if you wanted to. And no one would even see the incisions because it's in your hair. Holy crap. That's Mm -hmm. insane. Right? So talk to me about breast augmentation since we just talked about it. How common is it? Because, I mean... Obviously, like there is like a category of people like they've clearly gotten their boobs done. It's like large and in your face and others who are like, wait, did they like what's going on? They just look so perfect in all the pictures. But then at the same time, it's very natural looking. So is it common in like in the world out in the world? It is the most common plastic surgery procedure, like actual surgery. It is always that and nose jobs are always in the top two year after year for more than 20 years, probably more than we've been alive. It is very common. There is a misconception that I've noticed. People think that people who have smaller chests are the only ones who get breast augmentation. And usually they go from very small to very large. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Because then it's like, oh, like you were A yesterday. Now you're a double D. Right. We know something happened. over. But it's very extremely common to have someone who is a B or a C or even a D getting an augmentation where they're going maybe one or two cup sizes. And a lot of times it's not just the cup size, but they're they're changing the shape. shape. Exactly. And especially if you've had children or other things where maybe we're losing volume in a certain way, you might want to lift and a little bit of volume, but nothing crazy. So people are really not going to tell the difference between a C and a D. So when it comes to celebrities that we're seeing who just look incredible and like just so flawless, what are the most common procedures, would you say? I mean, in terms of face, actually, Ariel, Lori, and I have joked about this. I think we called it the the big three for the starlet, which is going to be your bluff, brows, and nose. So lifting your brow, changing your eyelids, and changing your nose. And it's like the big three. That's what they normally do when they go through that starlet transition. And it's usually nothing crazy. It's not like they go from, you know, a crazy size nose to something super tiny. It's just a little slimmer, a little lifted, a brow a little lifted, a little bit less extra skin on their eyelid. I mean, it's really interesting because I've like now, you know, I look at your page and I'm like, wait a minute. I wouldn't even have thought because the difference is just so subtle. Like on the nose, for example, like their mm-hmm. nose looked fine to begin with. Right. But like now, like when I look at it, I'm like, holy crap, it like changes your face because it's like now just the perfect nose. Right. Or a perfect for their face. Yeah, right? exactly. That's what I mean. It's yeah. kind of like, I mean, I get my eyebrows threaded. There is a complete difference in my face. I feel like when my eyebrows are unruly versus when I've just had them threaded, it just changes everything. Yeah. When, why do you think that there is such a disparity between, you know, really tastefully done, like the did she or didn't she type of, I guess, procedures versus like the kind of stuff that gives cosmetic slash surgery, like a bad rap, like, you know, like the overfilled kind of like, we know you did something kind of look like, why is that so disparate? And why is it that like the average person when they go, like, it's kind of like a little bit more obvious? I wouldn't say that the average person, it's a little bit more obvious mm-hmm. because every day you're probably passing someone who's had work done and you don't this even is also know, true, notice. Yeah. We only notice the obvious or the quote unquote bad mm-hmm. or bad to you. I always tell people 
Like when I post, they'll say, she ruined her face. I'm like, well, first of all, let's never say someone ruined their face. Of course, yeah. And then also, it's not ever going to be to your taste. Like maybe the way I cut my hair is not to your taste. The way I wear my nails is not to your taste. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with surgery. And I think it just really depends on what result they're looking for. And sometimes it is very cultural. For example, if you go to Miami, you're going to see, you know, more of the voluptuous bodies versus if you go to New York City, it's more of the like thinner look. They might still get a BBL. They might add volume to their butt, but it's it's going to be what I call the country club BBL where they look like they work out at, at the gym and they just got a little bit of a perkier butt versus, you know, the giant, you know, video vixen type look you might get in Miami. So if someone is looking to go get a procedure done, how how do you recommend they find like their doctor? Because oftentimes it's like hard to even like know who's right doing good work. Right. And at what specifically? This is a really like difficult question just because we don't talk about it. So it's really hard. But if you do know people who've had work done or who are open about it, it's really nice to get their recommendation, just like anything else, word of mouth, looking at their social media, looking at their website to, first of all, even see if their style suits you. Again, like going back to the Country Club BBL versus Video Vixen BBL, Mm -hmm. what look are you going for? And if this surgeon, you know, normally does the Video Vixen, but you want a Country Club BBL, maybe that's not the surgeon for you. You do want to check on their medical credentials and, you know. Do you recommend doctors on your page based on like kind of like specific procedures? Not really. I I mean, I talk about people that I know personally and that I trust, but it's really hard. I can't tell you someone in Iowa that does great breasts. I just, I don't even know anyone in Iowa. Yeah, no, no, of course. But like, say, for example, you're like, are there certain doctors in your world who you think are like known for like, say, for example, like a really good, like subtle BBL, for example? Yes, but that also doesn't mean that someone who's not known isn't great. Some right. of my favorite, for example, facelift surgeons, they're not the celebrity ones. They might do celebrities, but they don't have like 100,000 followers totally. on Instagram or anything. So sometimes we're a little bit skewed because we'll see things like, you know, a surgeon who has a million followers and we're like, oh, that must mean that they're the best. And it's like, you know, it's subjective. Mm-hmm. Are they arguably one of the best in their field? Possibly, but it doesn't mean that they're right for you. Right. You just touched on facelifts. So I want to talk about that a little bit. How common is that? Because, you know, normally people think that it's something that older women do, but I'm seeing that it's something that now younger people are doing too. Yes. So that kind of goes back to the old school thought of facelifts, which is what what we were doing. And I say we, I'm not a surgeon, but what we as an industry were doing where women in their 60s or 70s, like they pull their face up as tight as possible. And that that is what we think of with facelifts. There are amazing techniques, a lot of incredible things that we can do with facelifts. And now it's really depending on the area, depending on your, your own face, your skin laxity, genetics, environmental factors. I mean, there are people in their early 30s getting a lower facelift. There are people who are getting, you know, upper facelifts, Bella Hadid, allegedly, She has had a ponytail facelift, which means she's lifted all of this. It's not that she had that she had any like saggy skin or anything, but she when you're younger and you move your tissue up, you're creating a new face shape. And that's what gives her that almost elf like they call it Fox, you know, lift. Mm -hmm. If an older person were to do it, it would just move the tissue back to where it was in their youth. When a young person does it, it changes their face. Right. Okay. So it is like it, it's kind of starting to be a little bit more common then. Yes. And it's really because we have really amazing techniques where you aren't 
I think we see in movies where you're wearing like mummy bandages all over your face for like a month. Like we don't do that anymore. I mean, the ponytail facelift, you can go to dinner the next day. I'm like shook. Yeah. I can't believe there's such little downtime. Yes. That's insane. It's like getting a facial, except obviously a little bit more. Except permanent or relatively permanent. So then what about Botox then? Can you use Botox or like, I guess, like less invasive treatments to kind of give you somewhat of the look that you want? Like, say, for example, you want the lifted kind of Bella Hadid look, but you're not ready for a face facelift. I absolutely love Botox, Dysport. I just had Daxify. I absolutely love them. They can make a change in your face because especially like in your forehead, it might lift your brows a touch, like one millimeter, maybe two, because your face is relaxed and you can't make that, you know, if you're looking at me right now, like I can't frown, (laughs) my face is kind of frozen. It lifts your brows just a little bit, but it's not going to give you that really lifted, like Bella Hadid, Ariana Grande look. So there's only so, so much that you can achieve, I guess, with like non-invasive Yes. And they do different things, truly. Like what a filler can do is not something necessarily that surgery can do. So with filler or like a fat transfer, it's going to be a little bit different than a facelift. Combined, you can do amazing things together, but it depends on what result you're looking for. So then say, for example, like fat transfer, right? Mm -hmm. The fat kind of, it doesn't stay in the same volume, though. It kind of starts to like, it goes down a little bit, no? The fat that's transferred, it most of it should survive depending on the area. There's a little bit like if you're doing your butt, I think right now it's about 60% of it survives, but it it starts to behave like native fat, like it always been there. So barring that you gain or lose weight, it's going to stay pretty relatively permanent. But now if you lose weight, even though you have those living fat cells that you've moved, they are going to shrink like any other time you lose weight. Right. And if you gain weight, they can grow. So, okay. Speaking of fat, transfer BBLs, for example, right? right? Are they still as dangerous as they used to be? Or is there like in, I guess, like a less dangerous way of getting them now? Or has technology improved? I think more so our knowledge has improved as well as technology. So back in the day, it was closer to like one in 3000 was your mortality rate. It's now about one in 15,000, which is across the board for most surgeries, whether it's a tummy tuck, you know, some of your elective plastic surgeries and also your non-elective plastic surgeries, like you're maybe you're getting your tonsils removed. It's about one in 15,000. It's because we know now what depth and how much fat we can transfer at a time, depending on the person. Whereas before, if you inject it into the muscle, you have a high risk of complications. And so when it comes to things like BBLs, like say someone again, like doesn't want to do a full BBL, like can you achieve a similar look with fillers? Not a similar look, but obviously you can fill that area. It's just going to cost you so much money and it's not permanent. I mean, like a vial of Sculptor, for example, is about $600. It's not going to take you just two or three or four vials. You're looking at 10 plus minimum. And so at that point, if you're spending $10,000 for something that lasts between two and upwards of five years, why wouldn't you just spend the 20 and get it permanent? That's also very true. Unless you have no fat to transfer, obviously. Have you heard of AirSculpt? Yes. What do you think about it? And how does it compare to lipo, like traditional lipo that we know? 
So we have liposuction is just the removal of fat cells. And so we have newer technologies like Vaser, for example, is laser assisted fat removal. So basically you go in with a laser, it kind of melts the fat and then you're able to pull it out that way versus traditional the fat cells are intact. They're not, they're not melted or anything. So it's a little bit more aggressive in terms of, you know, the pain level and the recovery. I'm not hundred percent familiar about air sculpt exactly the technique, but it's something similar to that where you're still removing the fat cells. It's just a newer technology. And do you think it's like in this whole field, is it like always kind of changing and shifting and new technologies are coming and it's like improving? Yes, it's always improving. And sometimes we have new technology that necessary, not necessarily the best new thing. It's just it's new and we're, we're figuring it out. But it's kind of like anything else. Just think of our phones or our computers. It's like, OK, now we have faster chargers. Now we have computers that can hold battery longer. Now we have better resolution on cameras. It's just it's constantly developing. Technology moves so fast. You know how sometimes you'll see like a reality TV show, okay? And then like they will show the fact that they're getting like a non-invasive like laser thing and it like makes things smoother. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Does that stuff work or is it just better to go in for something more permanent? It depends. But are you talking about like cool sculpting? Yes, that's what I mean. I dislike cool sculpting so much for so many reasons. Wait, why? I need to hear everything. Okay, I... The results are not as precise as lipo. They're not very guaranteed. It's still painful. It's you have to do a lot of rounds of it to get anywhere close to something like lipo, not even really not even close. Mm -hmm. And then it ends up being as expensive, if not more. So if you're paying, I don't know, let's say like after multiple rounds, like six thousand dollars for cool sculpting, you could have paid that or close to that and gotten the lipo and known exactly how much fat is being removed. Like if you need to move 500 cc's of fat from one area, we can do that. Wow. Versus cool sculpting is like hit or miss. So can you save the audience from like things that you don't think are worth it? I mean, it like really... cool sculpt, for example, is like maybe it's a technology that doesn't necessarily like you don't love it like I don't love it I in most cases would recommend clients not to have it but there are people who've had good results with it so that's where it gets kind of like tricky Mm -hmm. I'm just not into it I'm not into threads not into it okay explain threads what are the downsides what are the upsides what do people think they're going to achieve because I was speaking to Ariel Laurie as well Mm -hmm. and she said she didn't like her threads either yes so basically we're putting surgical threads into your face and or wherever And we are basically like lifting or pulling or or adjusting your soft tissue in your skin, mainly your skin, to sit a different way. And then the threads are supposed to dissolve and the scar tissue that's been built up from the the threads and the, the needle or the cannula, it's supposed to kind of stay that way. It's not permanent, first of all, but you're also building scar tissue there. So when it is time to get a facelift, for example, it makes it a little bit more difficult. A lot of people are not seeing as dramatic of a result as they're expecting. And I think that goes along with, you know, managing expectations. Like this is not going to do what a facelift can do. But I think sometimes it's sold as if it is. And so when it's not as like tight or high, people are like, well, why did I just spend $4,000 thinking I was going to lift my brows when it was just a more of a subtle lift than that that lift you can really only get with surgery. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I just... Sometimes I think people are scared of the word surgery. I think they're scared of things where you go under or you do twilight. 
that the results are better. We can do a lot of these things very safely. It's usually more cost effective in the long run and gets you a lot closer to the result you wanted than a lot of these non-invasive. That being said, I love filler. I love Botox. So I'm not anti. It's just there's a time and yeah, place yeah, depending exactly. on what you're looking for. Exactly. And I think that as an industry, we need to do a better job of this is the result that you want. And I'm not a surgeon. Like if you're an injector, I'm not a surgeon. I do threads. Threads are not going to do that for you. So you need to go to a surgeon or you do want to have a facelift in the next five plus years. I just want you to know if we do all of these threads in your face, it's possible that it'll make a facelift more difficult later on, something like that. Do you find that getting cosmetic procedures, like actually like surgery, for example, does it help with the aging process as well in the sense that like, say, for example, like you decide you're going to get a facelift at a younger age. Does it help with how your skin ages over time? Yes. So a lot of things, whether it's Botox, filler, getting, you know, a little bit of stuff done, basically maintenance things overall, like you're going to look better or younger or less aged at 40 than you would have without. And so it's kind of like if you are you doing these little incremental things, it's less likely you're going to have this huge overhaul that you have to do later versus if you do nothing, you're not wearing your sunscreen, you're not using retinols, whatever, and then suddenly you're 60 and you have, you know, a lot more loose skin, a lot more of your soft tissue has dropped, you have a lot of like maybe sunspots or, or skin discoloration. For us to fix it then is way more expensive, way just more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you have been in this world for a really, really long time. Are there even celebrities who haven't had work done? I can't say with any. Allegedly. Yes. Like I can't know that they've never had anything done, but there are some that they at least have done very minimal or they have since committed to not doing anything. A great example would be Drew Barrymore. I can't say for sure she's never had Botox or never had anything, but she's spoken about this and it's it's pretty obvious. I mean, she's beautiful, but you can see her aging face. Sarah Jessica Parker, another one. Not only you can see that she's allowed herself to age and she, you know she's even having the gray hair and she's not changing that. Do I know that she's never had anything done? I don't know that, but I would feel like it's pretty reasonable to say, barring maybe a little bit of like facials or lasers or something like that, she hasn't really had anything done. And I think she looks wonderful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're both beautiful. Okay. So before we wrap, I want to do a quick rapid fire. Okay. Okay. Question number one, what is a procedure you hear that people regret? Buckle fat. Okay. <laughs> explain to people what it is why it's become this like sensation because also like I hear people talk about it on TikTok being like I wish I hadn't gotten that done but why do you think people regret it because if you take too much or you really weren't the right candidate for it it's going to age badly as we get older so we all have pockets of fat that sit right here it's just right here next to our mouths when we get older, this starts to hollow out anyway. Yeah, you lose so, volume. Exactly. So if you hollow it when you're 25 or 35, it's going to be even worse when you're 45. And that is one of the signs of someone looking older. So when you're 25, because you have all the other signs of youth, like you still have, you know, maybe a little bit lifted brows, you still have, you know, a shorter filtrum, 
if you have less buckle fat overall, you still don't look old, right? Mm -hmm. You don't look much older than you are. You just look sculpted. But then when you're 30, 40, 50 and up and you have the other signs of aging, overall, we're going to read you as older than you are, much older than you are sometimes. And there are people who are, they are right for buckle fat. Like there are people, and I like to say, if someone would have called them like chipmunk cheeks, if they would say they have chipmunk cheeks, if it's something that they, that bothers them, we can reduce that because there is a little bit more fat there than in most people's faces. Not to say that there's anything wrong with it, but if it bothers you, if you don't have that, I think removing it isn't a good idea. I think it makes people look older. Like even Mm -hmm. when I see it on celebrities, I'm like, why'd you do that? You you looked so much more youthful with a little bit more fat in your face. Like I don't know why it's been antagonized like this. Right. That's why we call it baby fat and baby face. I don't know. I think everyone is wanting that really sculpted like model look. I'm trying to think of what movie it was where this girl was saying like, I'm a model and she's not really a model, but she's trying to get in somewhere and the bouncer or whoever is like guarding it Mm -hmm. is looking at her and she goes, and she like sucks in yeah. her face. She's like, see? Yeah. And she does that face. And I think it's like that model look of like that really defined like jawline and cheekbone area that's like sucked in. Yeah. I mean, I feel like these trends, they're scary because yes. it's what you're doing is permanent. Like, how do you put the fat back into your face? I guess fat transfer if you really regret it. You don't really, you can't really transfer fat back into your buckle fat area. It's not the same as like, other places i mean we can put more fat here but the when we're taking it out we take it from the inside of your mouth yeah so if we're putting it back we're putting it on the outside it just doesn't look exactly the same and it never will it's one of those don't do this don't do it or do it like really 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 sparingly don't take too much and also make sure you're you are the right candidate but i'll also tell people your face and your body shouldn't be a trend i am all about i mean i have work done like Think about your face and your body and think of it as a whole. Like, don't just look at just your nose and isolate that and pick out a nose like from a catalog Mm -hmm. and and put that on your face. It's not going to go with the rest of your features. I always liken it to getting a haircut. You can't just pick anybody's hair and be like, give me that. It's not going to look the same on you based on your face structure, your hair texture. You might think it is and it looks on you like someone just like went at it with a weed whacker you know it's true it's I think what you're saying about it not being a trend is like I 100% could not agree more okay question number two which celebrity transformation is your favorite oh my gosh Um, allegedly allegedly and I just forgot her name she was in Wolf of Wall Street Margot Robbie Margot Robbie she's had work done allegedly allegedly lots of work done really amazing absolutely amazing I could never tell I posted her. Yeah, she just did really good tweaks, like a little bit here, a little bit there. When you look at her before and after, even just a couple years apart, it's incredible. Like what? Like a bluff. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. Not sure if she did filler, fat transfer, or cheek implant, but cheeks, she just looks amazing. Yeah, she's just stunning. Right. Like gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Okay. What is one thing you'd want people to know about beauty standards based on the work that you do? That it's all bullshit. (laughs) Do what makes you happy or don't do what makes you happy. And just know that what you see on social media, it's not real. It's not real. And you should never compare yourself to that. But if there's something that makes you unhappy or there's something that 
even sometimes it can be like, I love my lips and I just want them to be a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Go for it. You have one life and one body. Why not? Yeah. Love that. Tell everyone where they can find you. On Instagram at IG Famous by Dana. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dana. This was so fun. Thank you. I loved being here. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.